Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's April 7, 2014 and this is episode 415. At the end of March I did a studio shoot with two families in traditional Japanese kimonos and was able to get some behind the scenes shots of a professional kimono fitter actually dressing some of the subjects. Today I'm going to walk you through the studio setup and a few of the resulting images from the shoot. Before we jump into the main topic I'd like to thank our sponsors Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio or online store. For a free trial and 10% off go to squarespace.com and use the offer code MBP. As you didn't know, I don't do this sort of work a lot, but there are a few families that have had me back to do portrait sessions with them a number of times over the years, and I really enjoy working with them. This year, the main event was to document something that is a tradition in some parts of Japan, and that's to dress the 13-year-old girl of the family in kimono for a visit to the local shrine. Unfortunately, the weather closed in just as we were getting started, so the shrine visit went out of the window, but we continued with the shoot. My wife, who's become a very competent assistant, and I went to the family's home on the Saturday night before the Sunday shoot to set up our studio. They have a large enough living room that, by removing the sofa, we had enough space to shoot a small group up to five people or so, though this sometimes still required some Photoshop work to remove the sides of the background for some of the wider shots. Once we got into the shoot, I took a step back and grabbed this photo that I'm displaying now of the room with my Profoto lighting in place, so I'll walk you through that first. Remember that if you're listening on an iPhone or an iPad, you can see the images as long as you're subscribed to the Enhanced Podcast. If not, go to mbp.ac415 and click on the images to view them larger to follow along. As we can see here, I had some white seamless set up as a background. I know that this can look a little bit sterile, but I'm really into the simplicity that a white background brings to an image. I've used a number of different coloured muslin backgrounds over the years, and they just seem dated to me now. My lights are all Profoto D1 Air 500 watts per second monolights. These are not the most powerful D1s available, but they are powerful enough for my needs. I bought these around four years ago now and added a second pair of D1s around three years ago. I might choose some of the newer Profoto lights if I was buying now, but I don't do enough of this sort of work to warrant replacing these and probably wouldn't anyway as they still do everything that I want them to do at this point. To the right you'll see my main or key light which is a 3x4 foot Profoto softbox and to the left I have a 2x3 foot Profoto softbox adding some light to the other side of the subject's face. To light up the seamless background, I used the two umbrellas that came with one of my D1 monolight kits. I won't go into detail on all of the lighting stands etc, but 
I've embedded a BNH widget to the bottom of the blog post. So if you want to go over, you can actually check out the details of all of the things that I am talking about here and a few extra pieces of my studio gear. And of course, if you were to click on that and buy with any of those links, you'd be supporting the podcast as well. I did this shoot with my Canon EOS 1DX tethered to Lightroom using a USB cable. Although the Profoto monolights and softboxes are pretty much daylight white balanced, I can recreate the exact colours in my subjects, especially the beautiful kimonos that I'll be shooting on this day, by calibrating the camera with an X-Rite colour checker passport. I included the colour checker passport in one of my early images and created a camera profile which I applied in Lightroom. Then I created a develop preset including the profile and I was then able to assign that develop preset to every image that was automatically imported to Lightroom via the tethering cable. As you can see in this screenshot, I had the preset that I created called Profoto Studio assigned right there in the tethering window. Again, click on the image on the blog and view it large if you want to actually see the detail that I'm talking about here. You can also see from this screenshot that I was using the Profoto Air USB dongle, which enables me to control all of my monolights from my computer and save my settings, etc. I set the group on each of my lights to something different so that I can control them individually. The key light was group A, which you can see was set to 8.1. My second softbox to the left was group B, with the power of 5.2, and that's almost three stops less than my key light. So that there was an obvious main source of light, and the second softbox would just be filling in the shadows. I positioned my two umbrellas at the same distance from the background, so I could have set just one group to control both of them, but there's a chance that I might have wanted to move these around during the shoot, so I called them group C and D, and set the power of them both to 6.5. Some people like to angle the background lights more towards the background, but that can leave the centre of the background a little dark, especially when you have a group blocking out the spill from the main lights. So I like to leave the angle quite shallow. The light from these two umbrellas also spills over onto the subjects, of course, and it reflects onto the back of them as well from behind off of the white background. But I actually quite like that effect, which is why I set it up like this. To set the power of each light, I used a handheld light meter recording the brightness of each light and adjusted the power so that I was getting F8 at ISO 100 with a 1 200th of a second exposure, which is what I was going to be shooting at. Once you have the light meter set to your ISO and shutter speed, it basically just tells you your required aperture based on the amount of light it reads as you fire your monolights. So it's really easy to get your lighting all set up in a few tests. Of course, the reading changes as you move your light meter further or closer away from the light, but this is where the positioning comes into play. 
I moved my key light a little bit further away and turned the power up so that it would provide a wider light that was already tapering off some by the time it hit the spot where I would place the main single subject. But because it was further away, I'd be able to increase the number of people in the group with some closer to the light without it getting too bright and overexposing the closer subjects. As the members of the group are placed further away, of course, they also start to pick up more light from the second, second softbox and the entire group is nicely lit. Once I was all set, I saved the settings of each light in the, using the Profoto Pro Studio software so that if anything should change, I could easily get back to these settings during the shoot. Another great thing about this software is that you can, if you want, change the power of all of your lights and have them stay in sync. Say, for example, I wanted to shoot with a second camera with a different aperture, as I did a few times. I can change all of the lights by a few stops and they stay proportionately synced together, which is very handy. Another thing that I sometimes do is to just use a neutral density filter on my second camera. Say I'm going to be shooting at f8 on one camera and f2.8 on the second camera. That of course lets in three more stops of light. So I can just put a three stop nd8 on my second camera and just shoot away without adjusting my lighting. I actually find this much easier than messing around with the settings during the shoot. I'd like to take a little bit of time at this point to once again remind you that this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code MBP. As photographers and artists, you have to have a good, nice-looking web presence. And you don't really want to be spending all of the time that you should be working on your art messing around with web websites. So Squarespace basically gives you all of the tools that you need to build that web presence without spending too much time on it. You can add images instantly by dragging and dropping them directly from your desktop into your browser window. They've got lots of beautiful templates that have full bleed and that's perfect for photographers and designers to showcase our work. With hundreds of customizable settings, including fonts, colors, and sizes, every Squarespace website can be made to look unique with just a few clicks. The Squarespace gallery blocks can be added anywhere on the website and offer hundreds of presentation variations, including slideshows, sliders, grid layouts, and more. Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs and even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and all of the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. The new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views and unique visitors and social media follows. With the blog app you can make text updates, tap and drag images and change layouts and monitor comments on the go. It's incredibly easy to use but if you want some help Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24-7. It starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. 
Every design automatically includes unique mobile experience too, and that matches the overall style of your website. So your content will look great every time. So start a free trial with no credit card required and start building your website. When you decide to sign up for a Squarespace, make sure that you use the offer code MBP to get that 10% discount and show, show your support for the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. And we thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Back to our shoot now though. We left our gear set up on Saturday night and then went back bright and early on the Sunday morning to photograph the kimono fitting, which in Japanese is called kitsuke. The lady that we see in the images that we'll look at is a professional and actually very well-known kimono fitter, as well as a number of other traditional Japanese activities like playing the koto and the tea ceremony. In this first photo, we see the sensei with her arms all the way around one of the young girls, wrapping the large belt around her. This is more of a documentary shot to show you what's happening, but I was still conscious to try and capture nice movement in the long fure-sode sleeves, and a theme through many of these photos was the sense of sort of abandonment in the young girl's faces as they seemed to just trust the sensei quite for quite a long time as the fitting progressed. It actually took around 45 minutes to fit each of these girls, and I ended up with almost a hundred photos of each session. To the Japanese, the tying of knots is quite significant. I suppose it is in most cultures, as it represents finalization and a binding of people or things together. The final touch to the kimono is the tying of the silk rope that goes around the obi or belt. After this last knot that we see here is tied, the loose ends are tucked up and under the rope so that, well, there are no loose ends. As we progressed to photograph portraits of these girls with their families, whenever the ends of the rope would come loose, the sensei or a mother or grandmother would run in and tuck it back in. I should also mention that the kimonos that these girls are wearing were actually, they belong to their grandmothers and so have a lot of history and significance to their families. I was honoured to be able to photograph these kitsuke sessions in this way with the beautiful simplicity of the white background and soft lighting that you know, the, the setup provided. As we progress through the kitsuke sessions with the second 13-year-old girl now, I was mindful of composition, of course, and tried at times to focus more on the actual dressing, and at times used a more dramatic composition, such as this one, where I cut off the faces of the girl and sensei midway. The tying of the bow on the back of the kimono like this is of course another significant aspect to the kitsuke session and because we're actually drawn to eyes, removing them this way kind of takes away the weight of the eyes, freeing us up to look around more. Of course we still go back to the human face but not with so much immediacy as we would with the eyes in the shot. Also note that although I often have to ask people to look at the camera or at a certain point, 
I didn't request eye contact any time during this dressing. I literally just wanted to document it as though there was no photographer in the room. Here in this shot again we see the sensei rounding up the length of silk belt that would form into the bow and it becomes really a work of art in itself in position on the back of the kimono. Another thing that you might have noticed that I was really happy about as well is that the kimono fitter also wears full traditional dress including a beautiful formal kimono with its own obi and bow and tabi, the toad footwear that most people will probably associate with ninja although these are pretty common here in Japan. After a photo session I usually provide my clients with a CD or USB memory stick with a selection of images resized for them to browse or use as the desktop wallpaper on their computers and a smaller size that they can post on Facebook etc. Once I have my selection of images down I also batch convert the set to black and white using Silver Effects Pro and the batch processing functionality in Photoshop. I know that you can batch process right there in Silver Effects, but when you have some 400 files or so to process, it isn't as smooth as Photoshop. Although I usually do straight untoned black and white, for this shoot I just felt that sepia was going to be a better option, as it seemed to match the timeless feel of the traditional clothing much better. This next shot is an example of how the images looked in sepia. Note too that I was careful not to use uh, any colour filters in silver effects, as there was a wide range of colours in the various kimonos and I needed to batch this work to save time, so I wasn't able to go through and inspect and adjust each conversion before applying it. The results were just what I wanted anyway, so there was time saved and all was well. On a business side note, I wanted to just mention that I did not request payment to photograph the Kitsuke sessions. I provided photos for the families, but I really just wanted to make these photos for myself and each of the three young girls' parents and the kimono fitter all signed model releases so I'll be submitting some of the images to be considered for inclusion in my offset stock library as well. So more than two hours after the Kitsuke session started and having dressed three young girls and two men, we were ready to start the family portrait sessions. In a meeting a week before the actual shoot, we'd already established a list of poses that each of the two families wanted and we worked through each pose, shooting a number of possibilities for each, getting various facial expressions for each as well. I'm not going to go through and all of the details, but we'll finish by looking at a few of my favourite shots from these sessions. For example, although we of course get the straight family shots, to me I actually often prefer moments like the one we see here, when a mum tries to get a rebellious teenager to smile for the camera. Something else to note here is that I'd crop this down to an 8x10 aspect ratio. Although it was possible to shoot some of the group shots vertically without including a bit of the floor in front of the seamless or over the top of the roll on the background supports, 
Sometimes I just went in closer or wider and, you know, for full body length shots, it meant that sometimes either I had to crop the image down to exclude the edges of the seamless or I selected the messy areas, you know, included them in the photograph and then selected the messy areas in Photoshop and used content-aware fill to clean up the edges. I could, of course, have extended the background support up a little, but as we messed up the seamless, we had to cut away the messy part and then roll out more paper to clean it up. And I needed to be able to easily get to the clips at the top of the, the you know, on the roll to stop it from unrolling. And this is as high as I can reach without using steps. So I generally just deal with this in post as it doesn't really affect that many photos and it makes the shoot more efficient, which is better for the customers. Another way to give a teenage boy a reason to smile is to pitch him up against his dad and give him a chance to prove that he's now almost as big as him. Note that the dad here was wearing a traditional man's kimono and the son was wearing his school uniform, something that is often done for traditional portraits here in Japan. I thought it was fun to get the two of them in this pose though, actually you know, acting a little bit tough, but still obviously enjoying the shoot. Note too that we now had people wearing shoes, which meant that the seamless got messed up pretty quickly, which is why we had to cut it away a few times. This also caused me to do a lot of extra Photoshop work cleaning it up, but you know, I could have avoided it by changing the seamless more often, which again slows down the process of the shoot. And that really is something that I like to avoid. So I only cut it away when it starts to get really nasty. The dad of the other family that we photographed on this day is actually from England and has lived here in Japan since he was nine years old. One of the few people that I've met that have actually lived here longer than me. He speaks good Japanese, of course, too, so it was fun being able to communicate fluently with another Englishman in Japanese when necessary. Here is a straight family portrait of this group. Again, though, my favourite of the entire family group shot here is one of these moments when they aren't posed, as we see in this image. It's not just me that likes these photos, of course. I often find that although we need the standards, the families generally enjoy this sort of photograph too. So I always make sure that if I capture something like this, I include it in my selection. There are lots of other photos that I'd love to show you, but let's finish today with one last fun shot that we finished the shoot with, where I got everyone back onto the seamless to go out with a bang. Remember that because I was shooting tethered, every photo I made appeared on the laptop screen just a few seconds later, and the entire group was in stitches when we looked at this one as it came through. And we finished the session with a huge round of applause, and not, not for me of course, but for the entire group, everyone that was involved. I wanted to finish with a thought here, that although I don't do this sort of work often, I really do enjoy it when the chance arises. It's not only great fun to work with people like this, but we really enjoy watching the children of these families that we shoot grow. In an ideal world, 
I'll still be photographing these families when the kids are all grown and have kids of their own, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that one pans out. If you're interested in seeing more images from this shoot, I'll probably share a few more over on my Google Plus account, so please follow me over on Google Plus if you don't already, and check the images out as I upload them. A short link to my Google Plus account is mvp.ac slash g plus. That's G-P-L-U-S. So thanks very much for listening today. Remember that you can find me on Google Plus over there and Twitter, Facebook, etc. And links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com. So do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.